Cool, man. Hey, thanks for coming by. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Um, you know, Francesca Parker hit, reached out to me and was like, Hey, you got to have this guy on. He's yeah, awesome. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. And you got some really sweet. cool shit going on. So, um, yeah. let's just talk about your background. Like yeah. where you, where you're from, how you got into the seals. Like, uh, let's just start from the beginning. You know? Totally. Yeah. So I grew up in Virginia in, um, uh, Blacksburg. Um, it's a pretty normal, like, you know, middle-class upbringing for the first, first little bit. Everyone in Blacksburg's like all of our parents worked for the university, so it was kind of a unique place where everyone um, it was like one social class. And that's the University of Virginia, right there. Tech, or? Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> southwest corner of Virginia. And um, yeah, so my dad was working at the university. Pretty normal upbringing. He was really uh, he was pretty into the outdoors, and um, you know, so he was taking me fishing and camping and whatnot, and that kind of led into rock climbing. And then his uh, stepbrother was a kayaker in the Olympics. Well, he was an alternate in the Olympics, and so he sort of got me into whitewater kayaking, and I was like full force into it, as, as into it as I could possibly be um, in, into high school. And so, yeah, pretty normal, wrestled, and then, you know, the— What weight did you wrestle? Man, I started—I think I, I remember one day when I was a freshman putting on a— Putting on a backpack and like getting the scale over a hundred pounds. <laughs> I was like in the nineties and then someone was like, just get on there with your backpack on. So with my school books and I hit like a hundred and then I think I finished at one fifty two my senior year. And so I definitely, you know, I did all my growing in those four years, which was kind of tough. Cause you're always like, you know, you want to start at a lighter weight and like gain, um, skill, but stay, yeah. you know, the guys that are like one twelve, one they're three and they're seniors in high school are, I mean, you're wrestling a lot of freshmen, but um, we just had Bo Nickel on. Oh, sweet! Yeah, sweet. dude's an animal, absolute totally. animal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I finish up high school. I'm done wrestling. That was like a you know, ton of commitment. You know, yeah. high school wrestling. Um, and I was like, man, I'm I only want to kayak. My parents were like, you have to go to college. So I went to um, University of Tennessee Chattanooga. Because that was sort of that's where the Olympics were basically uh, the Atlanta Olympics. They built like a big training center on the Ocoee there, and so I went down there and I didn't. I was like eighty percent fun and twenty percent school, and um, <laughs> yeah, that drug on to like the fifth year, and you know, like I had no ambitions of doing anything that my um, college like my colleagues wanted to do like in business or whatever. And I was what like, what degree? What, what kind of, I got a degree in, um, well, I started a degree in political science because I like defaulted to, it's kind of interesting to talk about, I guess yeah. I had no, I mean, I was just going to school cause my parents were like, this is mm -hmm. what you do. So, um, yeah, time's running out basically like I'm not going to graduate on time. I, you know, financially my parents are like, this is the end of the road, man. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I had no plans. And so simultaneously, the war in Afghanistan and Iraq was like, this was in 2009, six, seven years old, and people were getting like, the, the American public was like, what are we doing? You know, and so special operations started getting really, uh, it was at the forefront of the strategy, like, well, we can't have these guys blowing up in IEDs anymore. We're just going to, like, you know, cut the head of the snake off with these seals and green berets and all this stuff. So it was sort of getting popular. And then I had wrestled with some guys and gone to high school with some guys at the Naval Academy, and they were also graduating. And they seemed like they 
had purpose in life and structure. So I'm yeah. looking at these dudes, and I'm also looking at these guys. I'm in like you know around the frat house, and I'm like, damn it, dude, I should have gone. I should have gone to the Naval Academy and wrestled, and then I could become like a Navy SEAL. And um, come to find out, they're like, dude, it doesn't even matter. Just you can just do it. Yeah, it actually might even be better for you to um, to like try to become a SEAL and not have done what we did. And so I was like, sort of out of options, and I was sort of. Um, having this like existential crisis about what am I going to do with my life? I was kind of a... And you're like, what, 22, 23 years old? Yeah, probably 21. Yeah. 20, yeah. It's, yeah. It's hard to figure out what you're going to do. Oh, man, totally. I always tell people that I was like, you know, my even my wife and I talk about it all the time. She's like, you're so lucky that you had a... Like, <clears throat> I football was what I was going to do, right. right? So I right. had like my plan already. So right. I knew what I was going to be doing. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of guys, a lot of people when they're that age, they have no clue yeah. what they're going to do. Even if they do have a degree, they still don't have a clue what they're going to totally. do. So I felt very, I was very blessed. Yeah, it's a lot for an 18-year-old to be, you know. If you can pick what you want to do at that age and you're still what you want to do at 40, I mean, you're going to be pretty successful. Right. It's very rare. So anyway, um, yeah, I was kind of like, I was a guy that I would look at today and say like, man, you need to take some responsibility for yourself. And, yeah, get your shit together, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I was like, man, I'm doing this, you know. This will be a fresh start. I can get out there. I can, like, redefine, um, you know, all these bad Ds and Cs I've been earning and, like, you know, letting my parents down. Like, I can – I'll just become a SEAL, and that'll sort of, like, um, be new. Right the wrongs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and – uh yeah, I mean, it sounds simple, but that's basically what I did. I just went to the recruiter's office, and uh, it takes a long time to, like, process and stuff. I mean, you can't uh, medical shit. And anyway, you do physicals and all oh, that dude, shit. It takes gotta... forever unless you're, like, some freak um, genetically fine person, you know. Well, Rem- I, Remy was telling me, he's like, man, I had to train for, like, a what was it, like a year or something. He had to, like, lift, get his weight up and get his, you know, oh, get yeah. all of his times right. And yeah. You had to be able to do so many pull-ups and so many yeah, exactly. push-ups. And so exactly. many, you have to run a mile, what is it, the mile, the two-mile I think thing it's a or, mile and a half for him now. Yeah, it's something crazy, yeah. but you have to do it in a certain time. And he was like, I had to build up to that because he said he was just skinny. Yeah, yep. It's, um, it's a lot, and it got a little bit harder. I think it's by like zip code now is a sort of a competition pool or something. I don't, I don't totally know how it works, but certain places in America, like San Diego, it's very, very competitive because you'll have like a couple hundred guys. And then you could go to like some County in Iowa and it would be like, it just raise your hand and they'll yeah. send you. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, off I went and, uh, off I went and yeah, found a new, a new, uh, life there in San Diego. So what was that like what was that like just showing up there, you know? Did you have to go through like uh, did you have to go through anything or did any kind of process to get yeah, into yeah. that like I mean you have to go to boot camp like a regular guy, you know, cuz probably like um you know, if you looked at like a 100 guys at basic training that say they want to be seals, man in reality like I I bet 10 of them will or maybe 15. Yeah. And so they have gotten smart enough to sort of train you for your likely outcome, which is just a regular Navy sailor. So you so have you're to not go, wasting your time. Exactly. So it's not a waste of their time. So you kind of have to process through like a regular guy. 
And then, um, yeah, you go to Bud's in San Diego. Do you think that wrestling, the re- that oh, wrestling totally. mentality was like a huge help for you to get through? A hundred percent. Yeah, it wasn't my... I wrestled in high school, too. Oh, right? nice, It's like nice. the hardest sport I've ever done. Yeah, honestly. it wasn't my first experience with like... Um, yeah, someone just, just being like miserable, not being sympathetic to you, <laughs> yeah. and being like, "Dude, get the you know whatever." Nobody I'm not, cares. Yeah, nobody not, cares. Yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna sit here and rub your back. <laughs> um, it was hard, you know, it was super hard. But like, definitely, if a guy was like 10 years old and he wanted, it was like, I want to be a seal in 15 years. I would say, like, I would definitely consider wrestling. I think there's other sports you could get the same. Yeah, no. football is another one of those yeah, sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to hard, push man. through shit that totally. just sucks. You're getting screamed at and yelled at all the time. Yeah. You know, just yeah, trying totally. to stay calm in those moments. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's a lot for a 15-year-old, like, not eating. And, you know, his coaches are pretty rough and mm-hmm. getting your head pounded in the mat. I mean, you're going to lose a lot as a wrestler, you know, as if you're a freshman and um, if you don't start as a kid. I mean, you're just going to get – you're going to go to these yep. tournaments – parents drive to see you and you're just you know getting smashed into the mat and it's a it's a lot for a kid so it was great um it was great exposure so yes i went to san diego you know was fortunate enough to like to get through all the training and um this was in 2010 and 11 so they killed uh they killed bin laden like when i was in buds okay so it was like I mean, we were, like, fired up. We thought, like, oh, man, we're this is going to be awesome. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I I was from Virginia. So at the end, they were like, do you want to be in San Diego or do you want to be in Virginia? And my parents were from Virginia. I had a bunch of friends still in uh, undergrad. And I was thinking, like, oh, this will be cool. I'll go back to my home state. And I went to Virginia Beach, which is five hours from where I grew up. Um and I was there like another nine years, but it was, it's awful. I don't, um, I didn't enjoy being in Virginia beach at all. Why it's, not? It's just, I mean, I don't want to say too much bad about it, but it's just not, it's not for, as far as like recreation stuff, like we like to do, like there's nothing there. And I don't, yeah. I don't really get into like ocean stuff because I had to do it at work you know, you're kind of like in and out of the ocean at work all the time. And so to be like, oh, it's the weekend. Let's go play in the sand. Like, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that at all. And, uh, you know, the Norfolk is the the world's largest Navy base. Yeah. Which, um, watch my words a little bit, but it just, it's the culture of the city, sort of. So you... You're at work, and then you like go out. You know, you go home, around like, the let's, same people. Let's all run the time. to let's get some dinner, and then it's just like snavy, and then more. It's just like so. Um, yeah, there's you no. You can't get out of it. I, I, yeah. I know exactly what yeah. you mean about that. Yeah, and um, there's some good things to say about it. The SEAL teams in Virginia Beach are a little bit closer as in terms of community. I think because it's small, and you just sort of live by each other, and you you'll have teammates on your street and um, whatnot in San Diego. I don't know if you've ever been in Coronado, but like once you go over that bridge, it's like, and so guys live in Encinitas and I mean, a hundred different places. So when you, you don't, you don't feel when you're at home, like, oh, I'm in sort of a community of team guys. Like here. I'm at work when I'm at home type uh-huh. of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And in Virginia beach, it's very like, if you your kids go to 
kindergarten, you know, there's going to be like probably two or three other SEAL dads in that class or something. And so it's very, um, it's a great, it's a great community. But in terms of like the geographic land, I hated it. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I went through, uh, you know, almost a decade. And you were there for a decade. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I was, but you're gone a lot. I mean, maybe like 200 days or something or 180 days. I think people calculated on deployment with deployment and then the training. Yeah. Um, you know, cause if, the war in Afghanistan was sort of the forefront of focus. So a lot of it was like Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Nevada, a lot of training out here yeah. in the West because it just makes sense. And it's, you know, more spacious. Yeah. It's a lot. The terrain over there is a lot like the Rockies, right? It's yeah, yeah, similar, right. similar mm-hmm. like climate and everything and altitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Steep mountains and then, um, barren, you know, dry desert. Um, Yes, yeah, so I was deploying a lot and going on trips. And um, how many deployments did you do? I did three, um, three deployments, and so that's like it takes about two years to do, um, like all the trips and the training, and then deploy, and then you start the circle again. Like it, it it's just a never ending go around. I'm sure, just like the NFL season, like you have the games, break, camp preseason you know yeah it just goes around forever and it flies because yeah, it you're does. like you're stuck in this like cycle yeah and routine it is man it's crazy like you're new and uh you don't know shit and then <laughs> like now i'll keep in touch with some guys and they're like so senior and i'll in my mind they're like brand new dudes you know and yeah. they're like oh now i'm like a team leader of this like of a platoon and stuff i'm like whoa yeah, it was. Uh, it I was, was just. At, I went over to the Broncos facility yesterday. Oh, nice! So there was a bunch of guys that were like rookies. Yeah. You know, when I was like a nine, eight, nine year old, nine, eight, yeah. eight to nine year vet over there, and I, there's all these guys that are like they're going, they're going in their like sixth, seventh, eighth year, ninth year. Yeah. And I was like, dude, Makes this you is feel old, crazy. Yeah. I was like, you're like you're yeah. grown up now, man. You were just a, a pup when you came in here. Totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> They got families fast, and stuff man. now, yeah. you know, they're married, they got yeah. kids. It's like, it's just, it's really cool to see, but also makes me feel old. Yeah. It's crazy. Like the system, I don't know, it sounds maybe like a little narcissistic, but like when you leave the system, like the system's just like, oh, we don't care. Like we're going to go, we're keep, it keeping rolling. going forever, yeah. you know, they're like, um, but anyway, I started doing a bunch of my vacationing out here because it was sort of the antithesis of beach. And so um, I got married in the middle of this, and uh, we would come to Boulder, climb and hike and ski and Jackson Hole and all this. And um, so when I was ready to get out, you know, I was like telling my wife, like, if you don't have some adamant location or adamant opinion about where we land, I want to move to to Colorado. And uh, she was sweet enough to be like, you know, wherever you want to find a job and whatever. And, um, I just only looked for jobs here in Denver. Yeah. (laughs) So, so So, so how long were you, how long were you a seal? I was a seal just shy of 10 years. Okay. Yeah. Yep. You just had enough of it. Um, (laughs) yeah, I guess I, uh, (laughs) that's a, (laughs) I was going to come up with like a complex answer. Then I was like, yeah, it just means had enough of it. No, I did. Um, I did the three deployments back to back, and then so it was sort of like time to do something else. Yeah, they're 
it's not healthy for the guys and it's not productive for the force to just go around and around and deploy like that forever. Um, and then also at the 10 year mark, you have to re enlist for another five. And so it's sort of a jump off point where you're either going to go to 20 and retire or you're not, you know, no one really gets out at 15 because it's like, you're going to get a pension for, you might as well just go to 20. Yeah. So it sounds kind of weird, but 10 is really the, like the, the split in the trail. Like, Hey, is this a forever thing or not? Um, yeah, so I was looking at having to do other stuff, which is going to be like more training or office type jobs in Virginia Beach. My wife was pregnant, and I had had a pretty good, uh, a pretty good. I had a pair of concussions, like two big TBIs on the last go round, and so I was dealing with that. And I had to go. I went to um, like a brain health center in Portsmouth. Um. And that wasn't, it wasn't a huge part of my decision to get out, but it was like, you know, they were kind of asserting like, hey, if you want to continue in this career, like you can either keep doing it and you're you're going to face some serious consequences, you know, brain-wise, or you can keep doing it and just avoid those paths, like, just be a seal that, um, you know, elects to do non-combat. Like, just don't put yourself in a position where you can get, you know, your bell rung really hard again. Yeah. And that, I didn't have any interest in that because I was like, well. So those concussions were back-to-back, like, yeah, and that was days sort of apart? A, or? No, um, maybe 60 days apart. And yeah. they, uh, I didn't even know at the time, but now it's a little bit more common knowledge how um bad it is to get concussed when you're concussed oh it's worse yeah it's so much it's worse. like exponential yeah. um and how did those happen like how did you get how did was it from explosions or the second one was the first one we were training and a guy fell off a um it was night time and i got in the uh we were diving and so i got in the in the water and i was like either flush with the surface or maybe like an inch under it was pitch dark and so now more divers are trying to get in too, and they didn't see me. And so this dude jumped off a boat with a um, scuba tank, mm. and it cracked me like right in the top of the skull. <sighs> um, yeah, and so I was in the hospital like You're probably nauseous immediately. Oh man, it was like lights out, mm-hmm. and uh, it was not good. And so I went to, um, I just dealt with that, and like it's not. I'm sure it's the same in the NFL. Like you're not really under the impression that that's that special because guys are, have been deploying to an IEDs and stuff for, um, 15 years. Yeah. You know, you're not really raising your hand like, Hey, I'm not okay. Because you're like, well, look at this guy. Yeah. Nobody's okay. No, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so, um, yeah, so I dealt with that, and then on the next deployment, I was near a, I was like uh, exposed to a blast, and I got really sick. Um, a couple days of vomiting and confusion, and like just obviously really concussed. And a few of the other guys that were exposed to the blast were not really that. It, they were like, it doesn't feel good, but it's um, not. I'm fine. Yeah, 
And so that's when the neurologist was sort of like, yeah, man, these um, blasts are making you vomit and stuff. You're, it's not good. That's not good. Yeah. No. And what, that's the other thing. Once you get a concussion, you're susceptible to get another one a little easier. Totally. It just it happens more. That's how I noticed at the end of my career. It was like, I'd get, I was getting them for like very, very low impact. Yeah. Like just getting hit and like not, it was more of like, I wasn't paying attention and I'd get hit from the side and that would like jar me. And I'd be like, Oh man, like I'd get stuck to my stomach. And I was like, this ain't good. Yeah. You know, it was totally. starting to happen a little, a little too easy. Right. Right. So, so that, and that's, that's scary. Super it scary. It scares the shit out of you. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So then, um, back to your question, I was just like, um, yeah, I can either, I can either keep going down this road and become senior and, um, you know, avoid these circumstances, or I could just not and just say like, "Hey, this is my, this is my shit. It's gonna, it's gonna cost me some, you know, neurodegenerative issues down the line." And um, it's also, it's a, also a little bit hard for guys at that age. Is um, you know, if you think about seals that are jumping out of planes and kicking in doors and shooting guys and doing what you would see like in a movie that guy's like you know he's between his like third year and his 10th maybe yeah there's a lot going on that we don't see in the um in the movies and the shows and like a lot of leadership and admin and money and logistics and and so you're you're going to start taking on that role. I mean, you're not running and gunning forever till your right. 20th year. And so already at the 10 year mark, you're starting to think like, shit, man, am I, is this something I want to do? Because my operational tenure sort of a getting, and that's not an absolute. I mean, you can sort of find your way into some stuff like later, but it's hard. Yeah. So they make it more difficult for you to kind of go have, do what you want to do. Yeah. Right? I mean, the, the force needs leadership. You know, they need um, all the roles filled. I mean, you can't just be a shooter forever. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, and I was interested in other, you know, other stuff. I mean, I loved it. I think I joined the Navy and to, to kind of um, contribute to something, and I felt like I had done that. I wanted to figure out, you know, who I was and how tough I was. I had figured that out, and... um I didn't have a lot of like mysteries or unchecked boxes. I felt like, and so no uh, regrets leaving, right? No, I loved it, man. I loved every, you know, not every minute, but I loved most of them. And, um, if a 20 year old kid came to me today and was like, I'm thinking about doing this, I would, um, I would say, dude, it's awesome. It's the, it's the best way to spend your twenties ever. It's, it's incredible. So yeah, out to Colorado, I went and, um, now I'm in the, in the in the real world in the in the workforce <laughs> with its own uh it's got its own pains well it's funny there's always been a for me at least i've always connected well with like retired veterans because there's a lot of correlation there where you're yeah, going totally. from like this high adrenaline like <clears throat> i would say even more than the adrenaline it's the structure like yeah. everything's structured and planned out for you right so like you always know what you're going to be doing when you're going to do it and yeah you're in a routine and all this stuff. And then it's just done. Right. And it's like, okay, now I have to like figure out my own routine and my own structure and, totally. and all this stuff. And that, that is, that's not easy. No. Whenever it's been, you know, I've been doing this since I was seven. Yeah. 
And I've been playing football since I was seven years old, and it's always been kind of like that was my purpose. Uh-huh. That's what I did. Everything I did was for that. Right. right? So, you know, I, I know it's difficult to come out of that, and, it, and a lot of guys struggle with it. Yeah. So that's why I, I always like when I when I get a chance to talk to a vet. And any, it doesn't, I was just with the USAA guys over at the oh, facility. Cool. So like a bunch of, uh, a bunch of air force and Navy and a couple Marines and everybody, every, uh, every, um, branch except for the, um, coast guard was out there. So it was like yeah. 55 guys and oh, girls nice. out there. And it was just like, you know, just talking to them. They're always like, man, what's retirement like? And I'm yeah. like, they're all pretty young still, you yeah. know? And I was like, man, it's just, I told him, I was like, it's just tough to it's it's hard to like get your own routine, figure out your routine mm-hmm. for something different, right? Because it's, you know, even with training, like I always train my ass off because I wanted. To, I always felt like if I didn't train hard, somebody else was going to train hard and they're going to pass right. me up. So right. you know, and there's always some new guy to take your job. Totally, like there's a draft every single year, so there's thousands of kids coming out of college that are looking to take your job. You know, so totally. Yeah, ha- there's that. You're always it's like a rat race. So. Now that that's done, it's like finding motivation and mm-hmm. purpose and other things. Totally. You know, it's just finding something else to put your energy into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like the the optionality of it all is sort of heavy. Like, yeah, because there's a lot of yeah, shit. Yeah, it, it was like super obvious, I'm sure, like playing football to when you wake up, like your eyes open, like, all right, what do I have to do today? It's it's so obvious. Yeah. You know, I have practice at this time and da 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 We're like, we're training for this thing and we're doing whatever. And now you've got, you know, you kind of think like, fuck, what am I supposed to be doing? Like holistically. And uh, yeah. oh, is this the right job for me? And like, oh, should I be doing this? Like, you know, it's a, it's a lot. It took a while for me. It took a while for that to kind of catch up with me. How how 22 was your last season? Yeah. 2022 was my last okay. season. Well, 2021 was my last season. So 2022 was my first okay. year out. Yeah. So last fall was my first year out of the NFL. Okay. And it was like, it was, I got into bow hunting. Yeah. Like I'd already, I'd bow hunted since I was a kid, but I really wanted to Western hunt. Yeah. Because it just was never available because you're always, right. you know, September is the start of the season. You know, you're, right. you're on lockdown from August totally. to, for, well, from July all the way through February, pretty much. You're kind of on lockdown <clears throat> as, as long as you're a good team, at least till January. Mm-hmm. So I've never been able to really do any kind of fall hunting. So it, like substantial fall hunting, like mountain hunting. So I, that's what I just jumped right into that. Mm-hmm. And that was perfect for me. Nice. You know, it was tough on my wife because I was gone all of September, yeah. you know, like kind of dove into that and just to kind of keep myself from losing my mind. But mm-hmm. that was, um, that was a huge help for me. It was mm-hmm. get the bow hunting. And I think, and it's because there's a lot of, you have to grind, right. When you're Western hunting, it's not like, you know, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a physical and a mental grind. And it's like an endorphin drop for me to to get to do that. Yeah, you know. So that's kind of where that's what I kind of just. Yeah, it was a natural. It was a natural uh, occupation for me. I totally. guess. Totally, like, it's hard to earn. You're not going to earn a ton of money doing it, but you know, if I can make it pay for itself, cool. Yeah, you know, right. and that's the beauty of the NFL is you make enough money that right. you know if, if you play ten years in the NFL, you should have enough money to live right comfortably for the rest of your life. You know, so sure. everything else should be just you know for fun. And then it's. Can you bow hunt in Colorado when it's rifle season also? Um or are they are they totally yeah. separate? No, yeah, you can you can you can if you have a rifle tag, you could bow hunt, right, Lane? Like yeah. it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, you just but you still have to follow the rules. You have to wear hunter orange because they don't want somebody walking out there. Just because you have a bow doesn't mean that the other dude with the yeah. rifle 
and they don't yeah. want someone getting shot yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you it's, can still it's a little bit them, harder, but, but yeah, you totally can. But when it comes to elk, you want to hunt them in September when they're rutting. Right. With, with a bow. You know, with a rifle, you can get you can reach out and touch them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But with the bow, you got to be within, you know, mm-hmm. 50. Like, I, I'm not, I don't really want to shoot an elk, you know, past 80 yards mm-hmm. max. Like, that's the furthest I'm shooting at one. Right. If he's at 100 and he's a huge bull, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sending That's that arrow. Awesome, I'm sending that arrow. Let's be honest. <laughs> if I'll cool, send it man. at an antelope, I'll yeah. send it at a at an elk. You know, so it's 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 getting in within a hundred yards is yeah, tough. Right. You know, so oh, totally a lot of stalking. Yeah, and- especially when they're not if they're not when they're rutting, you can call them right. You could call them to get and get them get their attention. Mm-hmm. But what, out of the out of that season, you're really just spotting, stalking, and trying to get yourself in position mm-hmm. with it. But um, but yeah, you can rifle hunt them and. You know, there's all kinds of options to get yeah. into it. You know, it's like you don't have to bow hunt, you know. And that's why I actually killed my first uh, my first animal ever. with uh, I was with the Born and Raised guys out in Oregon. Oh, cool. With a, we did a bear hunt with a rifle. And that was the first time I ever killed anything oh, with no a rifle. Oh, no kidding. And I was like, this is actually pretty cool. Like, yeah. it's because you have to practice that long range, those long range shots, you know. Yeah. So we practiced all the way up to like 700 yards. I never shot anything that close to that far. I grew up yeah. in Ohio where we weren't even allowed to use rifles, you know. Um, you can't hunt with a rifle there because they just don't. It's too flat, and yeah, which is weird because it was like super Appalachia mountain. Huh. But at the same time, it's like you, the furthest you're shooting is like 150 yards. Yeah, right. So right. and that was like a poke right. with a you know with a shotgun. You know, the totally. slug. You know, so you so, shot a bear at 700? No, I shot him at like 250. Okay. Um, but it was like it was super cool. You That's know, awesome. Just to do it, you know, make a good shot on him. And, yeah. Um, it was really cool to me, but I still. Love, I prefer bow hunting. Mm-hmm. I think that as I get like older and I can't get around the way that I get mm-hmm. around now, then I'll probably you know gravitate more towards mm-hmm. rifle hunting. But uh, while I'm young, you know, I'm gonna you know I'm until I'm, I'm at least you know in my fifties, sixties, I'm gonna try to bow hunt. Yeah, good for you. It's tough, man. There's a lot of uh, and I think it's there's something about it. You know, you're not gonna be successful. You know, fifty percent of the time, or even less. So it's, oh, it's sort of. I think there's part of that too. Like you're not. It's less than that. It's right. like you know, eleven percent usually is like a high percentage, right? Right. Of success. Oh, for bow hunting, yeah. it's less than ten percent. Yeah, it's usually like eleven percent is mm-hmm. high. If you go, if you look at it, when you look at areas that you're going to hunt, especially in Colorado, if you look at areas you're going to hunt, and it says like eleven percent, you're like, ooh. Oh, nice. Like, oh, 11. And it's crazy to yeah. think that. Where you're like, yeah. oh, it's 11% there. Because most places are like six, right. five. Go 10 days. 8%. You know, it's like, and you go out, you're out there for 10, yeah. 14 days. You're putting on 10, 11 miles a day, 12 miles a day. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I mean, my first elk hunt was an over-the-counter um, elk hunt in Colorado up in Kremlin, that, up in that area. And I did, in four days, we did uh, 60 miles. Wow. And I never saw, I never saw an elk. Or I saw one doe, deer. It was a deer, and I didn't have a deer tag. But mm-hmm. it was like that's all I saw the yeah. whole time. Called in like three different dudes, with you know bugling at each other, thinking that you know we both think we got a bull. And then, and it's crazy because you go out of your way to hike. You know you'll go 2,500 vertical feet first thing in the morning. You know four a.m. You get up at four a.m., hit the trail at four thirty, so you can get up there at first light. You get all the way up there, and you're thinking there's no way anybody else is going to be here. Mm-hmm. And what do you know? You start ripping bugles and something answers back and you're like, oh, it's on. And then you look in your, in your binoculars, it's another guy over there looking in his binoculars. And <laughs> you're both like, shit, you yeah. know? But it's it's um, it's still fun. Dude, it's it's ton of similarities to me. It's, like you said, it's a grind. You got to work hard. You got to, um, you know, you're not going to be successful. You got to train. Yeah. And that's sort of what we found. Um, this nonprofit that I work with, 
Veterans Outdoor Advocacy Group, you know, trying to figure out, we're, we're trying to get the Veterans Affairs, so the VA, to look at, um, well, they are looking at, but prescribing outdoor recreation therapy through, um, you know, through their mental health care. So if you're, let's say you're a veteran and you're seeing a mental health provider at the VA and, you know, they've got, all right, well, we can prescribe, you know, pharmaceuticals, we can do this, you can take yoga classes and then getting outdoor recreation paid for, you know, as part of the, um, the treatment. And it's the same stuff, you know, getting guys and girls, you know, access to what you found, what you're describing in, in bow hunting, you know, at a systemic level and trying to broaden, broaden what, um, you know, how we treat veteran mental health, you know, outside yeah. of just pharmaceuticals. And not that that's the only way we're treating mental health, but I think there's a little bit of over-reliance on that and the, you know, the mm-hmm. system could benefit from some diversity of, of, um, you know, care measures. Well, yeah. That, I mean, I'm a huge advocate for microdosing psilocybin mm-hmm. just because that's helped me, you know, it's yeah. been something that's, you know, nothing else really helped, you know, uh-huh. going, I have a lot of childhood trauma and, and then you have the, the TBI traumas, yeah. you know, from the brain injury, from the, just the constant mm-hmm. banging with a helmet on, you know, over and over and over again for, yeah. 20 years, you know, doing that for 20 years, banging your head into somebody else, you're going to have some frontal lobe damage, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. That, that movement is sort of parallel to what we're doing. We see that you sometimes we'll be um, in DC and we'll see the, the psychedelic veteran groups doing, you know, uh, the same lobbying and stuff that we are. So is that like a daily practice for you? Yeah. 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 And it's uh, that combined with being outside Uh and being out in the wilderness and having like a purpose is you know because you yeah totally you have a goal right your goal is to try to you you know we're trying to kill an animal right, right. But there's inside of those of that main goal there's all these little missions that you have to complete right totally like, hey we got to get to this ridge like and using online maps now it makes it great because you can look at these online maps be like okay this looks like a good area let's right. go here let's try to work our way over right. to here and then you got to think about the wind and all this other stuff and the thermals coming up and what time of day you're going there and. Um, so it, there's all these little missions that you complete throughout the day totally. and then you might not end in success, but you feel you've, you have a sense of, um, accomplishment when you mm-hmm. get to a, when you do get to the top of, of a ridge, right. Mm-hmm. And you're like, finally, I'm at the top of this ridge. And then sometimes you get there and you're like, Oh, that's the ridge. Well, I got to be on that. Yeah. Ridge. yeah. <laughs> you know, totally. so then you have to figure out another way to get over there and that keeps your mind busy yeah. and keeps your mind grow. You're also growing your neurons, regrowing them. Cause you're like challenging yourself mentally, physically. Yeah. And all of that stuff in a healthy way, right? You know, so it's it's not. That's what I always try to tell people that don't hunt. They're like, oh, you just out there killing everything, right? right. You know, it's like, no, man. Like, first of all, I'm I'm a. I think there's a fine line between trophy hunting and selective hunting. Like, tro- Yeah, I'm I'm hunting for a big bull, right? Like, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking mm-hmm. for a big mature bull. If the if a young raghorn walks by me, I'm not going to shoot him mm-hmm. unless I'm over the counter hunting. In Colorado, <laughs> the first bull you see, legal bull you see, you better shoot him because you don't know if you'll see another one, you know. Yeah. So, but when you're in like like that bull over there, uh, that big five by, I, that was a New Mexico bull. I was on the last day of the hunt. I had passed up probably thirty different bulls just because they oh, weren't wow. like it wasn't what yeah. I was like really looking for, you know. Yeah. It's like he was, they were a little too young, and um, I was looking for like a big mature herd bull, mm-hmm. you know. And and that's that's really that's what I got. So that's that's the goal. You always go out there with a with a goal, just depending on where you're hunting, you know, right. like if you're hunting in an area that's, you know, target rich, obviously you can be a little more selective, but, um, you know, there's like a, this negative, um, annotation of, of trophy hunters. Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, I'm a. Tr- I would say that I do trophy hunt because I'm looking for like an animal that gets me going. Mm-hmm. Like he gets it gets me fired up when I see that animal, you know. But it, I don't care about the score. Mm-hmm. It's a, whether or not it's how he looks and like his character and how he's acting, you know. Especially these bulls in the rut, dude. If he's like real aggressive, I'm like, oh, that gets me fired up, you know. Yeah. He's coming in ready to fight. It's high adrenaline. Um, same with these mule deer, you know, and whitetail. You catch them when they're rutting. Right. It's the same way. I mean, right. It's a, it's a lot of fun. And there's a, I think there's a huge correlation with, um, well, they, who was it? Um, Donnie Vincent. Uh, you know who Donnie Vincent is? No. Uh, you got to meet him. He's an awesome guy. So Donnie and I were talking about how you can, how what it, it's like three days in the wilderness without any cell phone service. Uh-huh. Can last you for a whole year. Totally. Like mental health wise. Right. It's like if you, if the VA can just like pony up the money. Yeah. Which, I mean, if we have all these billions to send to Ukraine, I think we have some couple hundred grand we can take yeah. guys on hunts yeah you know what i mean and just get them out there on a back on a backpack kind right know, getting them in the back country you know it doesn't even have to be hunting you can take them uh like do helicopter drops oh, for snowboarding and stuff like that anything, was yeah. awesome for me like i love yeah. doing that so all yeah those it's universal like we found we found you know vietnam vets that meet in central park you know with each other and just walk i mean it doesn't have to be the spectrum is from climbing everest to you know, the most, you know, an hour of walking or, you know, whatever. Just it doesn't have to hike, be, you know? yeah, 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 right. It doesn't have to be uh, that epic, but there's a ton of parallels. I mean, I think, you know, the way you're de- describing, like your hunting experience, if you think about, you know, a guy who went to Afghanistan when he was 20 and had some, you know, trauma and uh, did a bunch of deployments and like he's going to get something out of that. Um, there's so many parallels, you know, to the hunting world. And it's really, you know, backcountry skiing and mountain bike racing. I mean, it's just, it's the same thing. You've got to go out. Usually you're going to be sort of reliant on – you're going to take responsibility for the guys that are with you, you know, from yeah. a safety, you know, aspect. They kind of depend on you. You kind of depend on them. you got little missions. You're away from your cell phone for a couple of days. So it's all – you know, there's tons of parallels. And then I – you know, at the same time with the you – know, the folks – with the MDs behind their name are coming up with, you know, sort of physiological um, impacts too, you know, from effects of vitamin D and light in your eyeballs and, you know, all kinds of stuff that it's, it's not just, um, it's not just testimonial like, Oh yeah, I had a lot of fun on this hunt. So it was, that's, that's mental health care. It's, you know, there's some real tangible studies that are starting to get some momentum in a bunch a lot more attention than they were, I think, five years ago or, yeah. or more, you know, on, hey, this is um, this is pretty viable and, you know, we're... It actually works. Yeah. There's yeah. actually proof in the pudding there. Like, it really does work. Yep. So there's a task force going on um, through the VA that Vogue's a part of. And so this is a... There's three or four other nonprofits and then it's Department of the Interior, Parks, Health and Human Services, a bunch of, um, you know, sort of stakeholders in in veter, veteran mental health to study sort of the how, you know, hey, it's pretty, we've got a pretty good consensus that this is real, tangible. The veterans want it. They're benefiting from it. You know, how are we going to implement it? Um, it's two years, and we're, we're a year through it okay. in September. So hopefully, you know, a year from today, we'll, you know, sort of have line of sight on um, – you know, hopefully, what's the next another next hundred years of the way we do, 
you know, approach veteran mental health and it includes yeah. outdoor. So out- what, so, so we were talking about, you know, you moved to Colorado, you know, you, well, you get out of the seals, <clears throat> you moved to Colorado. What did you start? What kind of job did you jump into? Um, well, so at the, like in the last year of my, um, in the last year of my Navy career, I got an MBA. Oh, nice. It from was where? Like, from William and Mary. Nice. Yeah. Right there. Um, Good for you, man. Yeah, appreciate it. I yeah, I was like, hey, I'm gonna get out. I should um, go to school, and it was, it was interesting. Like, it was a whole different person. You know, I had like a different way of looking at um, the whole system. You know, it's like, okay, I'm the the teacher is the you know, not the enemy, but like the teacher can give me the grade, and this is like a mission. I just got to sort of like sneak around here mm-hmm. and get an A. You know, and. Um, yeah, I had a totally different mindset than when I was an undergrad, you know, 10 years later, yeah. 10 years earlier. Um, so anyway, I did that and I didn't really, you know, I didn't really have any, I didn't have some of the honest conversations with myself that I did, I have since, you know, like, what do you want to do that's not war, being a SEAL? And um, to be honest, I thought like, you know, I have a daughter now that's less than one and I have a wife. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm supposed to just make money and like provide, right? buy a house. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think I didn't even really think to, you know, I was like, it doesn't really matter. You need to, like, you're going to have to pay your mortgage and stuff. Mm-hmm. So whatever you got to do. Um, And so I ended up working with... um. Mike's daughter's husband here. He's Unchecked. a check. Yep. Yep. And it's like real estate, private equity, sort of. Um, I did commercial that commercial or private or uh, commercial, commercial residence. Sorry. Commercial. It's multifamily, like apartments and stuff. Yeah. Here in Denver. Um, and it was a, it was a wild experience. It was, I learned a ton. I mean, it was, it was pretty cut the road. Like, you know, from day one, I think, I think they sort of took a chance. I mean, like this guy was a seal. You could probably can figure stuff out. Um, and then I started and it was like, it was a pretty high stakes game. I learned a ton, but I pretty quickly knew like, dude, this is not, what are you doing here? You know, You're this isn't, no, not at all. I didn't really, I mean, it was just a, it looking back, you know, it was just a total, you're, you're going from, you know, trying to find, al-qaeda guys and now you're trying to like sell investments in apartments yeah like even if even if that was your 10-year end state like from one year to the next it was just too it was way too much you know it was just like what am i doing you know i didn't have any um you're just punching a clock is that how it felt or um no no real challenge it It felt like like man you're 30 I would have been 32, maybe 31 or two. And, um, like, am I supposed to do this till I'm 65? Like, that's sort of the way I felt like is the sum of my life's work from here till I retire, like buying apartments at a low, at a low purchase, improving them and selling them. You know, I just had all these kind of questions about like, identity and what what's the point of all this and um i was fortunate i mean it was a good job and um i was able to like still ski and i was finding 
enjoyment and some purpose. And, you know, I was home with my daughter every day and um, it wasn't all, it was just what a civilian job was, but I just think it was too, too intense. You know, it was like too, too much of like a binary, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, from what I was doing. And um, yeah, so I did that for 18 months and then um, this Vogue stuff started really picking up. And so I started finding out that. How'd you get involved with this? Two SEALs that are uh, five years older than me, maybe, started it. Josh there, and um, it was sort of going when I moved out here. And um, these guys got had deployed to Afghanistan and Iraq and had come out here and were um, navigating their own mental health post-service mental health struggle with mountaineering and skiing. Yeah. And then they started extending that towards to just other veterans, like for fun, you know, like, Hey dude, come, come do this or that or whatever. And then they realized, man, like this is really, you know, the VA's over there prescribing thousands and thousands of, you know, writing thousands of um, antidepressant scripts. Mm-hmm. No one's getting out here and like tell these guys are saying this is changing their lives. So simultaneously, saving their lives. Yeah, too. exactly. So simultaneously, they um, this legislation was starting to get some legs. It's called the uh, Accelerating Recovery Veterans Accelerating Veterans Recovery Outdoors Act, and it was basically the genesis of this whole idea. Like, hey, we need to get money. The VA needs to provide outdoor experiences. Um, they need to fund this because if you think about this practice is going on all the time it's just from donors yeah there's there's a thousand veteran outdoor recreation groups i bet in hunting there's 500 of them you know fly fishing there's so many so many of these groups but it's just the the money's coming from you know private generosity people paying for it um at a donation so we're just like dude you're the ones sending them over to iraq you we need to be the ones paying the check for the for the you know, all the treatment. So anyway, about this time is when I moved out here and I was like, man, I want to get involved in this. And then through basically a bunch of um, life circumstances and having children and people moving to different jobs, it's it's all volunteer. I kind of became um, the, the director of it. Not by any – that wasn't really my goal at the beginning, but These guys just had, like, it. kids, and they, like, move and get different jobs and stuff. And so, um, yeah, it was a huge blessing. So this was going on while I was doing that finance job, and I realized, like, oh, man, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to have to uh, line my income, you know, whatever I do for the rest of my life is going to have to have some sort of, like, meaningful value that – I can derive some sort of purpose from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still, you know, figuring that out, I yeah. would say. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a... Yeah, I don't have it all dialed in. I mean, I know at least know that, and that's something that that first job gave me, was like, yeah, you probably don't want to sell insurance. Yeah. That's not going to do it. You know, you're not going to be happy doing that, but... um. I can I can relate because when I when I retired straight out of retirement, um, local radio station 
um, recruited me to do to, to be like a co-host on a uh-huh. on, on an afternoon drive show, which was like a four hours a day talking about sports. And I just was like, yeah, I can, you know, I'll try it. And dude, I just was like, man, I, I, I was like, this is, I didn't work my ass off mm-hmm. and grind to come and do this now mm-hmm. because it was, I just didn't love it. Not that mm-hmm. I didn't appreciate it, mm-hmm. but I just didn't love it. You know, it wasn't something I loved to do and I didn't feel like a real purpose in it. Yeah. And it felt like I was, you know, I was naturally just good at it because we're talking about things that I know, you know, and, and I have a good, I have a good sense for just like kind of bringing up, right. and having a good conversation, you know, but it it started to become like this. I started to hate going in there. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like it. I was like, I don't like coming in here. Yeah. It's like, well, I don't know why. Yeah. I just don't like doing this. It's not, um, <laughs> it, it's because now I'm talking about the things that I used to do and like, it's making me kind of miss, do, miss that whenever I had already had it figured out like the hunting and the, and the podcasting was kind of taking that up. But it was like, you know, well, we got to keep your name relevant, this and that. And I was like, I'm, I don't need this. Right. So I, I just was like, we found a way to kind of separate yeah. mutually. And now I'm doing this and hunting full time. Nice. And it's like, I'm, I just felt this huge weight off my shoulders when I stopped doing that. Yeah. Good for you. you know, I know that that like steady paycheck isn't coming in. Right. But like I said, you know, hopefully I was smart enough to save money, you know, throughout my career in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I have a awesome wife who just mm-hmm. like manages the whole the whole show keeps it all good for you you know i always i said i've probably said this on every podcast that if it wasn't for her yeah like i'd probably be broke and living in a van down by the river like that's just yeah like or i'd be up in a mountain somewhere and just living in a yeah. tent most of the year you know because that's just how it was yeah you know, i just i didn't really care about any of that of the money and stuff i just yeah. was like having fun you know so it, it was really good to have you know a i think who you choose to be your partner in life is like yeah. the biggest decision you'll ever make. The most important decision. I do too, man, man. I mean, I think sometimes, cause like when my wife and I got married, I didn't even know all that. I just like, oh, I like this like girl. Like, I love her, you know? <laughs> but then he realized, I think after like five years together or six, like, man, if I would, if that would have been like, if you make a bad, you know, if you make a, the wrong choice there, like golly, that's gonna oh, be man. Just, super impactful to your whole life. Well, it's it's crazy because you know I was watching this thing the other day about you know it's like an 70 percent failure rate mm-hmm. in marriages or something. Is it is that what it is? Seventy percent? Yeah, I can look it up mm-hmm. for you really quick. Yeah, it's like seventy percent failure man. rate, you know, and that's like you know when yeah. you're talking about like a business decision, that's like the definition of negligence, totally. you know. So it's like. It, yeah, you know, and I and we got married quick, you uh-huh. know, my wife and I. So it was like, you know, we, we were only dating for three months before I asked her to marry me. I just knew. Nice you man, know? good for was, you. So it was like I just knew, you know, I knew what I was supposed yeah. to be doing. Yeah, if there's something in life like that, I didn't. Sometimes you like put in a ton of research and hard work and think something through, and you make a good decision, and you're like, yeah, I thought it through, I made the right decision, and like, but I hit the lottery with, you know, my wife's she's. She did all those deployments. She's has a both of. Well, I have two daughters now, and um, like all this career changes, and I don't know if I want to do this. And then she's just as you know as. How old are your girls? Steady as can be. Four and one. Yeah, I have a four year old. Oh no, kidding! Well. Yeah. Oh nice. A, she she had a daughter already, so I so I have a stepdaughter. Uh-huh. She's uh, sixteen, uh-huh. so she's a junior in high school, and then I have a four year old. Oh, no kidding. And they're just like, it's, it's just fun, crazy. It? Yeah, being it's a wild. girl dad is wild. Oh, man. man. It's nonstop. It's the, the, the emotions that go on. It's, yeah. You know, especially with a teenager. Yeah. Like, she's just brilliant, you know? Uh-huh. She's a brilliant kid. So having a teenager and then having like this 
you know, crazy little four-year-old who's like more wow. like me, you know? Yeah. What a dynamic. <laughs> it's really cool. No, that's awesome. Did you find it hard to, when you were doing that radio show, like, did you find it hard to find interest in, um, in the sports? Yeah. 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 It just was, especially other sports uh-huh. other than football. I just right. was like, not really that into like hockey was cool. Uh-huh. And you know, but like the nuggets won an, uh, won, won a, um, a championship and I just was like uninterested, mm-hmm. you know, cause basketball just never was something I was interested in, mm-hmm. you know? And it was, so it was like, it's tough to talk about things that I'm mm-hmm. not interested in talking about. I don't, I don't know if that's like an ADHD thing, which yeah. it probably is. Um, but if I'm not really that interested in it, then I just kind of yeah. like blow it off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I've been writing that, um, those articles that I sent you, I'm getting like more interested in, it seems like there's a ton of, um, there's a ton of group support for veterans, you know, in their, hey, let's get you from 30 days before you leave the military until 100 days after you get that first job. But seemingly almost n- nothing for like um, year three. Yeah. Like I've been out three years. And that I think I found around like 18 months or two years is when guys really start to sort of have another transition where they're like, Shit, you know, once you you know you're probably gonna make a little bit more money when you get out of the military and move, and it's kind of exciting and a new job, and then um, yeah, it's almost like there's a lot more to follow, and that's sort of what um, that's why I reach out to Scott because he sort of you know he kind of had that second um, yeah, I think he finished in '09 or '10. Yeah, you know, then was really dealing with some brain stuff and um, well for forever really, but yeah, um. Man, they were so Francesca and Scott. They're so sweet, awesome, awesome yeah. people, man. Yeah, you say that. You say that all the time. Like, oh yeah, I met them. They're really nice. But I mean, truly, some of the nicest people I've met. Yeah. I mean, they took me in like, you know, I was their kid or something. I was home from college. Yeah. You know, it was amazing. They're great people, man. Totally they're awesome. I've known Scott since like 2014. Uh huh. And uh, for the first time I met him, man, he's just been just such a cool. Yeah. Dude. He's just like his. He was an enforcer, so he's just such a badass. You know? Yeah. And then you you see this like this guy on the ice just kicking everyone's ass, and then you meet him, and he's just yeah, like, he's all tatted up, big hugger. Uh huh. You know, same with same with Francesca. You know, she looks like she's gonna just rip your throat out, and then you meet her, and she's like the sweetest lady yeah. ever. You know, so sweet. <laughs> They're doing a lot of great stuff for. Um, they've had some active duty guys up there to do snowmobiling and stuff. And, oh yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, they're doing a lot of good stuff for veterans. And, um, you know, that's that's the other thing, man. Sometimes you find purpose in just helping other people. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, so that's – that's I think that's kind of what you're what you're leading into here is, like, you've, you're finding some real purpose. In, Absolutely. And helping others. Yeah, and it's got to have – you got to have some of that in it. You know, I think um, it can be – like, when you think about careers and stuff, like – you don't want to be too far in either camp, you yeah. know, no help, all money, or, you know, you're volunteering all your time and then you're like, man, I'm really struggling. I mean, both aren't, um, both scenarios aren't great. You got to find some balance there. Yeah, totally. Totally. So yeah, I'm, um, I've been here maybe three, I've been here since 20. Okay. Yeah. So three. And years. So yeah, I'm trying to pick up on like the writing stuff, some of this space. Get the, um, you know, pretty interested in like all the stuff we're talking about, veteran mental health and stuff, basically because of, um, you know, Vogue has become well, it is more of a advocacy group. You know, 
focused on legislators and changing policy um, for the long term. But that's the only way to get anything done. That's honestly. right. Yeah, yeah. We get we get all we get all kinds of you know individual cases too. So like if you wanna if that stuff gets old and then you're like you know people will call and say oh my, man my brother's really struggling and he loves whatever fly fishing. I mean, it's endless, you know, the opportunities to um, involve yourself. So it's been a huge, it's been a huge blessing to be a part of it while simultaneously having a, a real job that's sort of, uh, you know, soul sucking in a way. And you're still doing the private equity? No, no, no. I'm in tech now. Oh, okay. uh, Yeah. I'm in tech at Cisco. Okay. Working for, um, doing cybersecurity, basically consulting for the government also. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what what do you think of that? Uh I said soul sucking. So watch like- this. No, I mean that this this job that I have now isn't isn't so bad, but um <laughs> it is in every definition of a good W two job, it it is that. I mean, they're <laughs> generous with time off, healthcare and um yeah, I don't have anything there's nothing that I can look at that company and say, like, dude, you're screwing me or treating me unfairly i mean it's you know it's like modern tech some of the some of the employee treatment and policies are unbelievably generous yeah you know these companies now are like you want to do yoga tomorrow you do that you know they don't it's not at all like uh <laughs> it's wild you know it? like doing construction or something where you know like i did some landscaping summers and stuff and it was like dude you're here to lay concrete. Yeah. And you will leave when it's done. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this it's a great uh it's great. It's just the content I think is not um still I'm not there yet. You know, I'm not yeah. at the point where I could look at the next 20 years and think like if I wake up at 65 and I've sold a lot of software, like I'll be you know, that's something to hang my hat on. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's got a, <laughs> it's got, it's got a lot of opportunities for me to mentor my, like guys that are in my position like three or four years ago, which yeah. I really enjoyed. They're, they're, the Cisco vet program is like really robust. And so, um, I spent a ton of time with, you know, guys that were in your shoes. Yeah, you telling know. guys what I've figured out in three years. You know, and I'm still definitely not don't have all the answers. But um, so, yeah, so I is enjoy Vogue that. is Vogue what you want to be doing full time? Um, yeah, or or something you know, very adjacent. Yeah, very close. Yeah, you know, it's not. Um, I think through the purity of the folks who've been a part of it it's just not become it's not really occurred to us to build like a revenue model really yeah. or like let's like sell as many t-shirts or whatever it's all um it's all about just getting the VA to make this change yeah. and then like once that happens maybe we'll come up for air and figure out what we want to do next and we're not really in the um we're not really in the facilitation um, model either. We, we used to be a little bit like lead trips, like actually facilitate trips. 
we'll do maybe a couple of years sort of for exposure. That's where all these pictures are from. Um, but we don't really. I mean, we're we're there to get. Um, this is a cool project we did last year in, in 2011. A helicopter SEAL Team Six helicopter crashed. 31 guys died. So we did 31. Tri- we did 31 trips last year with 31 vets, and each one uh, honored one of these dudes. Um, it was awesome, man. We had some guys from that had served with these guys. We had families. We had. I mean, the gambit of different connections to the actual helicopter crash. And we did, um, and it wasn't just us. Like, we we supported other nonprofits to sort of lead. Like, if a guy wanted to do something that we can't really, like deep sea fishing or whatever, we, like, enabled it through other nonprofits. So it sort of built a community of... Um, That's That was my next question. I was going to ask if you had developed relationships with like outfitters and um, guides and stuff like that to where, you know, they'll, they'll donate their time. Yeah. Yeah. They will. Yeah, they will. And we have, um, it's, we don't really, we know how hard it is to guide. Josh, my partner, the president is a mountain guide, AMGA, like IFMGA certified mountain guide. And so it's not, we don't need, um, the cost relatively is not too much. Right. So we don't do a ton of like, hey, can you take this guy out for free? It's just, it's, it's easier. And I don't know that our, those who support us would like to hear this, but it's, it's easier to just, you know, say, hey, we really want to help these guys. Can you help pay for it than to sort of, um, you know, ask the, guide service to do it yeah. but people yeah dude people are so generous with their with this stuff i mean they love it they love um and there's a lot of players in this space you know black rifle coffee that you know there's um there's plenty of businesses where contributing to this movement is both good for veterans and good for their business and good for a bunch of stuff so it's not um the trips aren't super super hard to pull off yeah because you guys have some funding right yeah yeah i mean we do yeah we have some funding we have um you know it's not we're not going to get like bass pro to cut us a six-figure check i mean but it's um yeah people are people are impacted by the trips or they're you know they're people that let's say served and now they're doing really well. And they're like, man, when I came back from Iraq, you know, fly fishing and or hunting saved my life. And, you know, I want to I want to flip some some cash into helping other people do that. So it's um, I'll say that money is not limiting our potential. I mean, it's the it's more like this. So this task force is going to write a report, which is going to go back to Congress. They're going to read it they're going to allocate budget to the VA and say you have to fund this or you don't or can it or whatever. And so it's just a bureaucratic um, slow roll. Yeah. I mean, it's just not something that – it's not like if um, whatever, you know, Matthews Bose was like, dude, what do you need? And we're like, we need a million bucks. And they're like, here you go. Then it's all solved. I mean, it's it's all legislative – processes that are can't be bought with money yeah so just slow yeah 
So anyway, back to your question. I mean, it is what I want to do. I think you'd have to be, I think there's something, you know, kind of adjacent that you could come up with where we've thought about like a, a center, like a Vogue campus where you'd have maybe some clinical care, like a world where like, you know, let's say you go with at 4 a.m., like you said, you're out on the trail and you're elk hunt, you're back by lunch, you know, take a nap, eat a really good meal, then you're going to see a clinician get your your clinical you know side of the mental health care taken care of and then there's a sleep scientist there there's physical therapist there see that's a good idea so it's like a, you could also use that for placement you know because you could find bring guys in that are struggling uh-huh and just let them explore kind of the other the options that are yeah. out there what kind of things they can be doing you know, what kind of activities can we actually mm-hmm. do that are, can actually help, you know, because there's different severities, you know, guys are on totally. different, different levels of like depression, you know, there's, yeah. a, there are different levels of depression. Like you know, I struggle with depression every day, but it's, you know, there's different levels yeah. to it. So oh, some totally. days are better than others, you know, yep. it, it is a daily thing that you deal with, you know, anytime you've had brain injuries, you're going to deal with like this random depression that just pops up for no reason. Right. You could probably relate to that. Totally. Right? It's like you wake up in the morning and you're just like, why do I feel like this? Like, yeah. Why do I feel like shit? So like I, for me, I, I use like working out to mm-hmm. kind of combat that, you know? Yeah. Um, but some guys, you know, some guys are tore up and banged up and they can't train like they, they want to be able to train, right. you know, some guys yeah. are missing limbs and you know, all kinds of, you know, crazy stuff happened, yeah. happened to them over there. So you could use that for placement where they come in and you kind of give them a va- an evaluation and it's like, hey, um, you know, here's the options do you, that you can explore. You know, you can explore, you know, going on I, I just mountaineering. You can explore yeah. on, you can explore just like, you know, going on horseback rides or going on um, snowmobile rides or going on, um, you know, just hiking. You can mm-hmm. just go hike and ruck, yeah. you know, and see if that does it for you. Um, you know, yeah, just, it'd be amazing. Just give them different options, you know, and then you place them into that and then it's, you know, eventually they end up running the whole program. You know, that's kind of... Yeah, right. It's like an a la carte... Um, you probably wouldn't want to use the word rehab center because it's sort of like... You probably want guys to go there that don't... I would call you know, it more like a crisis. recovery. Yeah, recovery. yeah, exactly. So it's yeah, like an outdoor... So rehab, a recovery, like an outdoor yeah, recovery center. Exactly. Exactly. You get a little... You know, we, when we talk through this, it's like, where is it going to be? You know, you get kind of specific. You can't do every outdoor sport or activity at, you know, they have to pick a place that was sort of like well-rounded. You'd you have know? to, and yeah, I mean, you could, that's the great part about Colorado. Is yeah, you can that's find right. places that are, yep. you know, that you can Ski, do literally yeah, you can everything, do everything there. You know, yeah, that's totally. a, there's a place, there's a place up in, um, up in Wyoming, just outside a steamboat. It's called the uh, Three Forks Ranch. Uh-huh. You can do literally everything. There. Oh, sweet. It's wild. Nice. Like that, that place is wild. Yeah. Um, they have like they do a lot with uh, what's the what's the clinic that they they partnered with up there. They partnered with I think the Mayo Clinic. clinic. Uh-huh. So they partnered with the Mayo Clinic up there, and it's like this place is high end. Yeah, like, it's pretty. I was just did a Polaris event up there with um with the UTVs, and I was like, whoa. Yeah, they have ski hills. They have hunting. They have fishing. They have snowmobiling. They have hiking, horseback ride, like literally everything. So you can there's places where you can find. And then they have medical care providers there yeah. too, and it's civilians. Yeah. Oh wow! I'm gonna have to look this up. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's called Three Forks. Okay. It's that's awesome. Super luxury too. It's yeah. wild. Yeah. You know, it's, it's wow. So nice. 
You know, but you, if you took guys up, you know, if you got you worked out a deal with a place like that, you know what I mean? Where, mm-hmm. you, you know, hey, for a week out of the year, you know, they would, because they, they're always looking for write-offs and donations anyways, mm-hmm. right? Those big companies. You know, you could you could do like a retreat up there. You could do, you know, there's all kinds yeah, totally. of ranches that do this kind of, that do similar things, but where it's like you can do literally everything, you know? Yeah, it's, right. And right. it's, you know, you just pick some, I don't know. Did I think, you get one of those rock massages or what? No. No? I didn't do any uh, of the spa <laughs> stuff when I was up there. I just, Dang. That looks nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah so it is the Mayo Clinic. You were correct. Yeah, that. the Mayo Clinic. Yeah, so like there are places yeah. out there, you know what yeah. I mean? It's just, I think that with Vogue, you just develop those relationships with different, that's right. you know. Yep. Yeah, that's inspiring, man. I mean, I And the guy that, that owns that is a, um, he was a special operations helicopter pilot. Oh, no kidding. He actually flew jets too. It's in Wyoming? In Vietnam, yeah. Wow. That's it's uh, on the Wyoming, Colorado border, just okay. north of Steamboat Springs. If you go an hour northwest of Steamboat Lake, that's where it's at. Yeah. They, like, they, they, bulls that, they got elk everywhere up there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, so that might be an option yeah. to reach out to them because he is a veteran. Um, David uh, David Pratt is his, is his name. Okay. Is the owner the owner of that ranch? He, uh, he's, also, he's also part owner of. Um, the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Oh yeah, and then he um, he uh, he sold a business in the nineties for like six or seven hundred million. And Dang. Yeah. good for him. Yeah, so at least he's doing something good with it. Yeah, so he's a billionaire now, obviously. But and he, so this isn't their full time operation. No, this is just something he owns. Right. He but bought the, that ranch in the nineties and has built it out to this. Jeez. Yeah, they still run cattle up there. They, I, do, they I just can't hunts. see them saying no they, to yeah, something right. like this. You know what right. I mean? Especially right. him being a vet. Like, I think he would be, you know, because he has, like, all his, he, like, around the place, you see pictures of him, you know, with his, you know, flying jets. And they said he, oh, used, cool. he had to recently stop flying choppers, I guess. But he would fly his helicopter in, you know, yeah. all the time. That's awesome. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, I would maybe that. dig into that and Dude, reach totally, out to those guys because totally. I think that would be. I know yeah. it seems like a natural fit. Yeah. No, it's good to think about, man. I need someone to be like. We get pretty like wrapped around our current project, and sometimes it's hard to hit pause and think like, what could we? Where could we be in like five years? You know, or right. three years or something like that. Right. Helpful. Yeah, so. the place is beautiful, man. It's awesome. They got they have their own ski hills dug it or uh, cut out and stuff. Yeah. It's pretty badass. So are there um if you leave the state, are there opportunities to hunt? How many if you wanted to hunt full time, like I want to hunt as many days in a year as I can, is it limited the fall pretty much all over the US? Well it's yeah. Well, I mean there's spring hunting, right? Yeah. You have so you have fall, winter, and spring. Uh-huh. And then um right like in August, August fifteenth, I think antelope starts. So okay. there's like a, you know, you could pretty much hunt almost all year round um, if you have the right tags. If you uh, wanted to do like a cool, like I'm going to hunt for a full year, you could figure out between Axis deer in Hawaii and oh, yeah, if, you were yeah. to start, if you were to kick it off with a spring bear hunt starting in Wyoming and then maybe something up in Alaska and then coming back and doing uh, Sitka deer in Hawaii or access deer in Hawaii and well, then coming back and there's a deer tag that opens up August 1st. And if you want a really crappy hunt, you can go hunt in July in California, but their game management is pissed. So I wouldn't do that. And then <laughs> yeah. come back, hit the fall really hard and you could go all the way through December with hard hunts, 
go to Arizona for deer in January. February, you could do Ah Dad. You could stretch it out if you really wanted yeah. to like get divorced. Then <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You could. You could. You really do wanted it. some turmoil in your. Yeah, believe marriage. me. I my first year, I was yeah pushing that limit. My yeah. wife was like, "Hey." I've had enough of this shit. Like oh, I've, been I've there, put up man. with you in the in the league for so long. I think I had know? that conversation yesterday. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding, but um, yeah, it's all the same, man. It's cool. It's um, ton of similarities, I think, between you know what you did and you know you're right. It's like so much. It's so obvious when you're a you know active duty, and I, I'm assuming when you're a pro athlete of like. I don't really have to ask what I'm going to do tomorrow or the next day yeah, or, it's in, weird. or in three months. I could probably, someone, someone has a schedule that says what I'm going to do in three months. Well, I know? got a boss right upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Abby, my wife, she, she does a good job of like keeping my head on the yeah head on my shoulders and my feet on the ground, you know, cause sometimes I get excited and I, I'll plan, uh, you know, the other day we were talking and I was like, she's like, you have, look at all the hunts you have planned. Like, how are you going to do all these? And I was like, you're right. I need to like stop saying yes. <laughs> and I can't just say yes to everything. Yeah. Right? So it's like, cause before I couldn't, I had to say no to everything. Right. Know? So it's like, no, can't do it. Sorry. Right. Oh, you have a wedding? No. Right. Oh, you have this? No. Um, oh, you know, even when her and I would go on trips, it was like, well, I have to have a place for us to train. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, we can actually go on a vacation. I don't have to worry about any of that, you know? Yeah. So so it's it's just about like the, finding a balance there with the hunting and filming them and what you know what's important what's not important you know and mm-hmm. picking the ones that, and that's the other thing like it's you know when I talk about bringing guys in and vetting them and uh, placing them into the kind of things that they love to do I know that I love to hunt elk with my bow but mm-hmm. that's only one I can only that's like two weeks out of the year mm-hmm. two three weeks out of the year that you can do that. So what am I doing the rest of the time, mm-hmm. right? I love yeah, hunting mule deer too, but it's like... That's what my question was sort of around was like in the spring, which you answered, but I was kind of wondering... Turkey like, and bear. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, turkey hunting's fun too. Yeah. And it's it's pretty it's pretty easy. You know, you just take a shotgun and call them and try to get them to come in. You, you sit know? for that, right? You sit for a little hike. bit and then you get up and hike and go and it's yeah. run and gun. You know, yeah. the, there's all kinds of different wit techniques. Guys will use decoys and... Yeah. But uh, I like running gunning them. I like getting up. I can't sit there for more than an hour. Yeah. You know, after an hour, I'm like, all right, let's go. Yeah. You know, 30 minutes really is like the limit for me when it comes <laughs> to turkey hunting. Um, but that's why I love Western hunting because I grew up hunting whitetail and turkeys mm-hmm. and just a lot of just sitting around mm-hmm. in a tree or, you know, sitting up against a tree for right. turkey. So it was, or in a blind or something like that. So, so Western hunting where you're actually, you're glassing something up and putting a plan together on how to go get them. Yeah. That's a lot of fun to me. And your your Colorado archery hunt for elk is more you're moving, not deer stands. Some guys do it, yeah. right? Some guys hunt out of stands here in Colorado. Yeah, it's pretty rare, but some guys they'll sit over out. water. Yeah, they'll set a stand up over water or like on a a migration trail or something like that that they know that they kind of move through. Um, but that's I just I don't that's not fun to me, right. you know. Um, yeah, I tough. like hunting. I'd love, I like, so the way I hunt whitetail now is out of a tree saddle. So I don't know if you've ever seen a tree saddle. Um, I use a company called trophy line and it's like you're, you have like four, I'll carry four sticks with me. So you, I can, I can climb up the tree, put a platform in and then I'm tethered to the tree. Mm-hmm. So I have like a lineman's rope I go up with mm-hmm. and I tether myself to the tree. So I'm just hanging in the tree. Well, I'll hang out there for a little bit and then be like, Oh, well, you know, 
while I was up there, it was kind of like a scouting mission. I saw that a lot of deer were moving on this side. So the next day I'll take that, I'll break that down with me. And then in the morning I'll go to that over there and go up. So I'm like constantly jumping around and moving. So it makes it tolerable for me to hunt whitetail. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a, that's how I hunt whitetail right there. Oh, nice. I've never seen one of those. Yeah, so yeah, just like it only takes me 10 minutes yeah. to – it's like a 10-minute setup. Yeah. Like you're 10 minutes up, 10 minutes – and you don't have to cut and trim everything up like with a climbing tree stand or with a right. a lock-on or any of that stuff. So it's And it's super light, and you can pack it around. and It's called mobile – I like it. It's mobile hunting. Yeah. I enjoy it. And it feels – and it's a lot safer. You can hang upside down in that thing up there. Like it's not, <laughs> Some ninja kills. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Some guys make fun of it, but I'm like, whatever, dude. That's how I like to do that's it. That's exciting, man. I want to get into it. We was, um, I kind of got into like endurance racing. I'm, I'm doing a race in Crested Butte this weekend, and um, I was running with the guy Sunday, and we were like so bored. It was such a long run, and we were um, like, dude, we should just instead of just running, we should get into elk hunting. Something. It just seems. It seems to me like people are so uh, like yourself, like so immersed into it, and uh. They love it so much. I'm almost like intimidated. Like, man, once I, once I take a, you know, jump in this pool, it seems like the pool, you know, it just sucks you in. It and does, it, man. Like, it really it becomes does. your whole. I always tell people, thing. like, man, I really want to get into into bow hunting elk. I'm like, well, be careful. Yeah, it's, yeah. It seems it, like know, it's really it consuming. Hooks you, yeah, and it consumes you, and you're like, all you're thinking about all year long is getting to September. Uh huh. And you're like, you know, you're it's, training uh, all year long. It's called Grand Traverse. It's um. And uh, so, yeah, one day I'm going to do it, but I don't know. Maybe it'll be next year. What is uh, what's like the quality disparity between the over-the-counter hunts and private? Um, well, you, is it super crowded on all this, dude? It's it's so crowded in yeah. these over-the-counter areas. Um, so really, just put building points to draw good areas. Okay, is what you want to do, and then you know, like me, I'll buy private land land tags, and I'll you know use my use my network system to mm-hmm. kind of make that happen. Different sponsors will pay for tags and stuff like that. So like next year I'm going to be in Alaska. I won't even get to hunt elk next year probably. Cause I'll be in Alaska in August for, um, she, uh, doing a sheep and a caribou hunt in August. And then I come back for a couple of weeks and then September, like 11th, I leave to go back up to Alaska for moose and bear. Oh, wow. Yeah, so so that's those are yeah. like the four big hunts that I'll do next year. For you. I don't know if I I don't know if I'll have I don't know if she'll let me uh, go do anything yeah, else. You know, you, I man. probably won't. I won't need to. I'll have so much meat that I won't know what to do with it. Yeah, so, um, that's probably that's probably the four big hunts I'll do next year. So you know, for me, like that's this year I'm going down to the Gila in 16A in New Mexico, and it's like one of the best places on on the planet to hunt elk. You know, so giant bulls down there so i'm looking forward wow. to that. so but for you, you can you, there's a, there's ways to do it you can also get um like i think landowners will do like they'll donate sometimes uh, mm-hmm. don't they do that they do like donate they donate those tags yeah. to different foundations and stuff yeah. so, so yeah we get we run into that sometimes and you can do a lot of cool stuff in even in down in texas like uh-huh. you can get these huge ranches down in texas that'll hook it up yeah and you can bring guys down there and let them just shoot their shit out of pigs you know they'll have right. a blast doing it get them in helicopters to shoot pigs yeah like that'll get your adrenaline up and get you, you know, get you going. I've never done it, but I've always wanted to. Um, so I think that would, you know, stuff like that. There's all kinds of cool shit that you can do with what you guys got going. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah, the hunting and fishing world is sort of um, the most built out and robust. I mean, I don't know that um, it seems like a natural fit for veterans. I, you know, and I also think a lot of people that grew up hunting and fishing join the military. So when they're out there, they go right back yeah, into it. Yeah, they go right back to it. But um, they're sort of the leaders of, you know, mountaineering has a lot of veteran Veteran stuff, fly fishing. There's a big group called um, Project Healing Waters. They do a I've heard of that. ton of great work in the fly fishing space. And then uh, backcountry hunters and anglers. I think yeah. in Heroes Harvest. Heroes Harvest. I've heard of that. Yeah. They do. Um, yeah, they do a ton of work. But yeah, and it's a ton of you know wealthy ranch owners in Texas and stuff will hook them up with. The, I don't think they deal with any of that over the counter. No, Texas any, is way different. You just, stuff, you just so. get a deer tag. Yeah. You can kill, I think it's four. You get four deer, right? It's a lot. Yeah. It's some, I know you get four turkeys when you buy a turkey tag down there. So it's, yeah, it's still dependent on the unit. But yeah, if you yeah. have it's, I mean, enough. you could, but you could go to these ranches and they got exotics and everything down there. You can just hunt everything. Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, it's cool. There's a lot of cool shit you can do, man. So I'm yeah, looking man, forward to seeing it's where inspiring. this goes. I appreciate that. I am too. And it's, uh, it's been, yeah, it's been a real privilege to be a part of, and um, yeah, I'll keep you updated. It's it's good for someone to ask me like, well, what's the you know the plan, you know, yeah. long term, you know, yeah, or just someone to say like, quit being a, quit saying no, and like just you know go for it, just try it, you know? yeah, for sure. What's the worst going to happen? You yeah, know? It's like reaching out to the, like you know you reach out to the three forks, see what they say. Yeah, totally. You know, they might say no and be like, yeah. all right, well, I'll yeah. move on to the next one, right? Yeah, it's one of those things you sometimes, you'll, you know, you'll get like four or five no's in a row and then like an enormous yes. Like, oh, this looks cool here. Yeah. You can do, uh, come to our land or yeah. know, here's a check or whatever. And uh, I think the, th the thing about that Three Forks is it's, what is, it's like an over-the-counter because Wyoming it's, doesn't really have over-the-counter. So for, um, for the Colorado side, it's in an area where it's a draw tag for residents, or it's a draw tag if you're on public land, but if you're hunting private like their ranch, it's over the counter. Yeah. So it is essentially an over the counter unit as long as you're on the private. It takes two points for archery to draw that as an, a draw tag to hunt on the public land. But for the private, since there's so much private up there and a lot of the herds are on the private, they're like, well, if you have permission to hunt the private, then yeah, it's an over the counter tag. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so you can get – I think they said they kill like 300 elk a season. Jeez. Right? They th I think they take like 300 bulls or something they said. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, so there's all kinds of cool shit you could do, man. Totally. But, uh, I Dude, I really appreciate you coming on, man. And, Me too, man. It's um, been fun. It's great to meet you. Now we're going to go get a workout Let's in. Let's do it. That'll be fun. Let's do it. Thank you, brother.